Join Greenbook at the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange Conference Series. IIEX is your global hub for connections, inspiration, and innovative solutions in market research. Visit greenbook.org events to learn more about events in Asia, the Americas, and Europe. Use the code podcast for 20% off general admission on all upcoming events. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Dig Insights. Using decision science, Dig Insights helps researchers at the world's most well-loved brands drive growth in crowded categories. Their work is supported by proprietary technology, including Upside, the only ResTech platform exclusively built to test and optimize innovation. Learn more at diginsights.com. Hello, everybody. It's Lenny Murphy with another edition of the Green Book Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to spend it with myself and my guest, because you don't want to just listen to me. So it's a good thing that we uh, we do have guests that seem to want to talk. Uh, and today, my guest is Robin Rouse. Robin is the insight strategist at Vital Findings. Welcome, Robin. Thank you so much, Lenny. Excited to be here. Well, let's see if you think that when we're done, but I'll do my best to try and maintain the expectation that this was a good experience. So now, Robin, you and I have never met. So it's a, it's a real pleasure to have the time to get to know you. And so for myself and the audience, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. So yeah, like you mentioned, I'm an insight strategist. I work with Vital Findings. So we are an insights strategy agency and we specialize in creative mixed methods, design, and um, storytelling. So my specific role within that is being sort of the bridge between the research. So I do, I lead a lot of our, our research efforts So between that and our our client consultation side of things. So I'm leading our teams. I'm pretty in the weeds of our work, um, but I'm also consulting uh, with our clients. And then I guess, yeah, the the other little bit about me specifically, I am a moderator. So I do a lot of our in-house moderation. I've had a chance to kind of develop that skill out quite a bit um, over the last few years. So Anything from, you know, IDIs, ethnographies, shop-alongs, and focus groups. Okay, very cool. Uh, and because you brought this up uh, right before, and you were recently got married, so congratulations, or relatively Rel- recently. 2020, so not that recent, but it took a while to do the, the name change thing. Yeah, well, I mean, getting married in 2020. I, I actually had two daughters get married in 2020, and uh, it was... Um, yeah, it's still is it's still weird for me that I <laughs> so whatever yeah. that's worth. All right. Well, congratulations. And you were a future list honoree. So congratulations on that as well. Thank you. Yeah, it was uh, such an honor and really exciting to attend IIEX. It was actually my first um, industry conference. So it was very, very cool, very um, interesting to to hear what's happening, um, all the innovation that's going on in in our work. So. Yeah. Well, so speaking of innovation, the uh, you called yourself a moderator, uh, but you do a lot of more kind of innovative, immersive work than kind of your traditional focus group. So tell us a little bit about that. Tell us the, the cool stuff 
that you're doing to kind of expand and innovate around qualitative research? Definitely. And it, it's kind of both in, in terms of the actual approach to research that we're doing, but also in how we're sharing those insights. So on the research side, I mean, we really pride ourselves on, on being very consultative and collaborative with our clients. So a lot of the, I guess, more innovative work that we do is an extension of us just really getting to in-depth understand our clients' needs and objectives. So I guess a couple of, of examples of, of work that we've done recently, um, we actually did kind of like a, a roadshow of um, speaking to some of the co-creations that we're doing where we are quite literally bringing our clients and consumers in the same room and developing out um, dependent on what the need is, doing sort of like a co-creative session. So kind of simulating an environment where maybe a product, if you will, is going to have a, an actual play and um, getting both, you know, the folks that are creating that product and consumers in a room talking about what's what's needed, what's missing from what's currently on the market, things like that. My experience a bit more directly recently has been doing a lot of that immersive work. So a lot of um, in how we were just talking about COVID, as things have lifted, there's definitely a need to understand, you know, what folks experiences look like now. And so we are definitely back in in person and have been able to do a lot of, of work in home where we're able to bring our clients along. One of our clients in particular, they're in the retail space and they have some muses, they have some segments. And so our ability to bring their segments to life has really kind of been based in our ability to get them to to look <laughs> into their lives. So going into their homes, looking at their closets, doing tours, but also taking them out into the real world and and visualizing how they they shop and how they think about things. So different approaches for different, you know, reasons, different needs. One of my favorite sort of things that we've done recently that was on the insights sharing sort of side of things was some work that we did with a, a brand that included a mixer, which was very different, a sort of new territory for us. But it was another kind of similar situation where... Like, uh, I'm sorry, a mixer like... Yeah. Like a, an event mixer. An event, yeah. Okay, okay. Not not, not a blender mixer. Oh, no, mix. no. <laughs> right. Yeah, but we did like a, almost like a cocktail party type of event where we invited some of the segments or like their, their muses that they were really interested in learning more about and our clients. And so we were in downtown LA. We were at a, a nice like area of a hotel that we were able to rent out like that had a restaurant and we created like this focus group that we were able to, you know, have an actual kind of scheduled slate of questions. But at the same time, it was woven in between our stakeholders getting to interact with these people and actually ask them directly um, in a way that felt very organic and authentic and not just purely question answer form. So, yeah, we're we're still definitely kind of exploring. And what I've really enjoyed about it is that it's really catered to whatever specific needs our client has. And so it could look one way for one and something totally different for another. 
Yeah, that that is a really cool idea. As, and as soon as we clarified what type of mixer we were talking about, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, through I'm use IEX as, as an example, right? The, the networking component of walking around and engaging and talking to all those folks is as much a data collection exercise for me as it is a social exercise. So to to actually bake that in methodologically, that's pretty darn interesting. What have you found trade offs in going for you know more of this kind of immersive experiential type of of uh, interactions versus more of the structured traditional components or are, are, are there things that you think ah, all right we're gonna have to give up this but we're gonna get this instead it's a great question you know we tend to approach these things from a mixed methodological standpoint so that is maybe just one component but it it comes after like in this specific example that I'm thinking about, the mixer came after a round of more traditional qualitative work. So I think that's part of it is it's not always standalone. It usually is grounded in something that is a a bit more kind of traditionally based or an extension of that. If we were to to focus it in on that, I honestly can't think of trade-offs because it's its own sort of like experience and there's a lot of great work that comes from it. I think I think if anything it inspires further work. So it's it's either like a jumping off point or or something that helps ground the research that we've already done. I guess that's my my thinking. It's not necessarily like a standalone piece in most cases. Okay. So you don't think of it as a a tool in the toolbox, so to speak. Yeah, we're like, okay, here's the business issue. We're we're going to do the mixer because that's going to give us exactly what we want. Instead, you know, it's more of a uh, we we want to. What's the best way to get to the heart of the matter, so exactly. to speak? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Now, twice you use the word muse to describe you know segments or or uh, within a population. Uh, I just find that fascinating. I, I get it. As soon as you say it, like, yeah, cool. But it's not one that we hear very often in the context of, of research. So tell me a little bit about that. Why is, why is that the word? Are you a classicist? You know, <laughs> you just love Greek myth and thought, okay, we're going to. Well, yeah, that's funny. I don't, I didn't even hear myself using it. I think it's so baked in, but I think it's just such an easy way to get folks to think about the essence of you know, a consumer that they're targeting. And it's one thing to just like have a segment and to, or have your several segments and know, okay, there's this person and this person and this person. It's another thing to kind of get to know them really intricately and, and intimately. And so I think that's where Muse specifically comes from because it really does stand as, you know, someone who, if we're doing it effectively, Anyone at the organization, whether, and, and I'm still thinking about like this retail space, an example, but whether you're on the product side or marketing or in the C-suite, you can see this person and feel like you know them. So that's really the essence of the work that we're, we're trying to capture, not just know them, but know how to meet their needs and how, what your lane within your brand can be doing to, to better meet their needs. No, it, it's, it's neat. So I think of the the word, right? And the foundation of it is a, an inspiring figure, right? And there's an element of, of customer centricity baked into you utilizing that concept. So do you find that that's one of the things that separates you 
within the type of work that you do is just, it, you said it was unconscious, that you just think in terms of finding that inspiring customer centricity and consumer closeness as that's what you enable, that's what you empower. I think so. I think throughout our work and regardless of methodology, you know, at our core, we're trying to boil things down to human experiences. So understanding people at that very human level, I think is, is something that we really aim to, to bring forward in all the work that we do. And it comes through in different ways, right? It's in how we talk to them. So like the actual methods that we build around the, the research, it's how we talk about them to our clients. Um, it's also, yeah, how we kind of present them. So design is a huge part of what we do. So bringing to life is another term that, I, that we use a lot. And I think that's that's really integral to our work. Yeah. Well, so let's take away into that. So your, as the name would suggest, vital findings uh, and, and this idea of, you know, bringing the, the human to life uh, within the findings. Is there anything different that you do in terms of communicating the findings? So do you do workshops? I'm guessing you don't just do a PowerPoint deck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, about that communication process to get to the, the actionable insights that your clients are looking for. Definitely. I think it really boils down to what our clients need is and understanding our clients needs. So I'd say that's our first step is we do a lot of work um, to immerse ourselves in the category in, in helping our, sometimes helping our client really identify what their need is. They may say something, but uh, you know, through conversation, we find it's something deeper. That's step one. And then in terms of, you know, I think a lot, a lot of clients, in this day and age, or, or what we see across organizations is this struggle to evangelize the work with stakeholders to really bring it beyond the page, right? So that they're not just looking at numbers on a page or a quote on a page. And so we do that through one, because sometimes our deliverables are those decks, right? It's, it is just a PowerPoint presentation. But in, in that, Design is a huge part of it for us. So we know that our, our clients may be sharing with stakeholders that are not as research savvy, right? Or who don't have as much of that experience. To the, so the, to the extent that design can kind of pair and like work with the research to help better visualize and communicate the story that we're trying to tell, that's a big piece of it. We do do workshops. It's just dependent on what the client needs. They're, they're very custom in nature in each case, but sometimes it's, you know, if, if it is a segmentation, we've been using that example, they may need help prioritizing their segments. And so we'll do a workshop that one helps to lay the groundwork of getting everyone on the same page with who it is that we're talking about and who they're talking to and what their audience looks like. And then it's, you know, different activities that we'll do to help get them to that point of being able to prioritize and then think through next steps. We had one instance where we were working with a, an entertainment brand and they had, again, like several different stakeholders that were kind of involved in the work and wanted to have a true immersive experience. So we set up several different rooms and each room 
was kind of like the foundation, like it was built off of the insight that the core insight that we were trying to communicate. And so it wasn't just your typical, okay, let's get through this section and we'll redo this slide. But we had like a mix of videos, you know, from consumers and some more of the traditional kind of like data-driven pieces that are that were important. Others were like conversational, more like interview style. So it just, it does a good job of really helping to, to break up and get you out of the box thinking in terms of how you're talking about these insights and, and taking them in. We're going to take a quick pause to highlight our podcast partner, Dig Insights. Have you listened to Dig In? It's the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights, designed for brand professionals that crave innovation inspiration. Each week, Dig invites a business leader onto the podcast to spill the beans on the story behind some of the coolest innovations on the market. Search Dig In wherever you get your podcasts. Now, what's your origin story, Robin? Right? How did you get into this? Because right? obviously, you're, you're very passionate about it and you know, it seems like a bit of an avocation. So did you always know, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do qualitative research uh, or <laughs> how'd we get there? That's so it's interesting because I didn't know that this was going to be my path. My origins of research came from college. I, you know, was a research assistant for one of my psychology professors, didn't take a single business class, you know, when I was in school, but Vital Findings truly was my first entry point into this industry. And I've been kind of working in it ever since. Um, I think that I, I do owe a lot to the company for giving me so many opportunities to just explore what I like. So it came naturally. It came kind of organically. You know, I'm, I'm trained in both quantitative and qualitative, and I like both. And I definitely see use case for both. But I happened to, you know, be in conversations where I was able to kind of see the, the big picture very early on in my career. So whether that's sitting in on discussions that are happening with clients or brainstorm sessions and got to really kind of cultivate my voice and, and what I liked through that. So a lot of it was the, the observation and given the opportunity to be observant and, and collaborate where I can too. So it just sort of happened naturally, <laughs> I think. And I, I find that qual was just, I think, what I gravitated to a little bit more so. That's really probably, if you ask the majority of people in the industry, it's a similar type of story. Yeah. You know, did you set out to be a researcher? Uh, no, <laughs> um, myself included. So, <laughs> like, wait, once you're here, uh, you just kind of, oh, wow, this is cool. So then follow-up question on, on that. Where do you find the most satisfaction, like personally? You think, yeah, this is why I love doing what I do. What does that look like for you? That's a great one. I truly just enjoy connecting with people. That like human element that I spoke to before, I think is really what speaks to me. I feel like, especially especially in the qualitative work, you know, being yourself is like welcome, right? Because it, it leads to this place of connection and, and vulnerability and fosters a sense of trust. And so getting to that point with data, like regular people, or it, it could be with participants, but also just, you know, within the organization, with clients that I meet, having that 
freedom to kind of be authentic is been very rewarding. Yeah, I agree. There's actually a, over the years, we, we've had to think, you know, we just need to let Lenny be Lenny because I don't know how to be any other way. Uh, uh, right. So, and I agree with you. I think that that is a, since we used origin stories and metaphor, I think that's a superpower, right? To be able to engage with people mm-hmm. through just being authentic. But I also, I've certainly experienced times and circumstances where it did not work out very well. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the, the being, being authentic, trying to connect no matter what, it just was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So have you experienced that where it, it just, it just wasn't, wasn't going to happen no matter what? Um, I don't know that it's to that degree, but definitely where you feel, okay, there's a wall. I'm not getting much further past this point. And it can be with respondents. It could also be with clients who are very, this is what I need. This is all I want. You know, again, we, we really try to develop consultative relationships, even, even if it is just a client that we're working with once, right? But in some cases, you know, they're very, they can be very straightforward about what they want and, you know, not necessarily want to go deeper in that relationship with participants. That can be really challenging when you're in the middle of an IDI and they're just giving you nothing. (laughs) And that's definitely happened before. And I think you just, you just have to, to roll with it, do your best. That's really all I can say is you take it as far as you can and respect what that person's boundary is and and that's all you can do yeah yeah Uh, good advice i think as you you know as we're growing through that process so i don't know about you but for for me i think i'm just a naturally friendly kind of guy and i enjoy interacting with people and i remember vividly times where if that connection wasn't happening i took it personally Mm. well what's wrong with me right why don't you want to be my friend (laughs) (laughs) and recognizing in that doesn't happen anymore but i certainly early in my career remember that and getting to that point of realizing this has nothing to do with my feelings per se right uh and and that's kind of that wall that i have to have as well so that you know i'm not going to get personally invested in this business relationship i want it to be enjoyable and honest and authentic but it is a business component right we're not going to be best friends have you had a a similar type of experience of you know finding your own boundaries to feel you know good going through that process yeah i mean i think you kind of hit the nail on the head that would be one of my biggest pieces of advice to anyone who's coming up in this industry is like you know as much as being authentic, showing up as yourself can be beneficial. You know, it doesn't always land with some folks. So not taking that personally, I think was, I don't know that it was like a direct lesson that I had to learn where I really took something personally, but I I picked up on it definitely as, as I grew into this. And it's helped me very much to be able to kind of put things down at the end of the day and and let it go. Yeah. All right. So I'm an old geezer. You are obviously far younger than I am. If our audience can't see you, you are. You'll see the picture and they'll look at our picture side by side and go, yeah, Lenny looks old. Robin is not. So, uh, I don't know, old geezer though. <laughs> uh, you know, ask my kids. Yeah, ask my kids. They would, they would say geezer. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. My point is, you know, 
I would expect that there's still a lot of runway from a career standpoint for you. So what does that look like for you? You know, you've accomplished a lot in a, a relatively, compared to an old geezer like me, a short period of time. So what's next? Thanks. Yeah. I think, you know, as, as I'm sure you've experienced as well, like those first portion of, of your time in this industry is really like laying down the foundation and sharpening maybe more of the tactical skills. And then it grows into, you know, being able to do more of the storytelling behind analysis. And I'm just sort of starting to really get into strategy and understand what that looks like, how to think big picture, how to connect the dots between, you know, what's happening within an organization, but also more broadly within the industry. So I definitely getting more strategic, being more immersive with clients. I think that's kind of the the next step for me. I don't know that I have a very specific tract. I think qual is, is something that I I love and I feel really strong in, but I like and enjoy quant as well. So getting a deeper foundation of knowledge and, you know, things like advanced analytics is definitely an area of interest for me, but I, I'm appreciative that it feels like there's room for exploration. So that runway metaphor that you said, it's not necessarily a straight line. It does kind of fan off, which is, is great. It, it, yes. What I do today has very little to do with where I saw myself even 10, 15 years ago. So the, uh, in that place had very little to do with where I saw myself 10 or 15 years before that. So I, yes, it's a, <laughs> it goes all over the place. <laughs> oh, um, I want to be conscientious of your time as well as, uh, as the listeners, but since we're talking about the future, what do you think, you know, playing amateur futurists now, right? When the changes in technology and culture and et cetera, et cetera, is there something that you're kind of hoping that you get to try out in a few years? Maybe it's too soon now, you know, maybe it's, you know, metaverse or whatever, but you think there's going to come a time that we're going to do that. And that's going to be a really, really cool to try this new approach or this methodology. Well, the, the first thing that comes to mind, I think it's on everyone, top of everyone's mind is AI and, and where that's heading. You know, I think it's it's in its infancy and people are just kind of getting on board with understanding it. And I think there's a lot of fear around it, right? Of what does it mean for validity and quality of, of respondents, things like that. But I'm really excited to explore how it can help us within our industry. And, and again, like this is very, very early on for us, but we are like exploring different tools that can help with like qualitative analysis and, you know, even incorporating you know, in very low stakes way in on the quantitative side too. So I think the possibilities with it are, are really exciting. I think it's going to be really important for us to stay on top of what's out there and yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say right now, but that's definitely an area that I'm interested in, and we're keeping an eye on. Yeah, I, I definitely. I think the we're already seeing it that you know the 2020 caused the shift to digital qual from face to face as the primary method, and we saw widespread adoption. Now AI enables scalability, uh, and no brainer from that standpoint, right? Uh, as a tool to to understand unstructured data primarily. 
Uh, and to add a lot of what we used to think of as secondary research. I mean, you know, super easy now, right? I think we're going to see some really exciting stuff with with synthetic sample, virtual respondents, kind of persona playing. Uh, so I agree. Super, super interesting times. And, you know, we say it's in its infancy, but man, that infant is already like running laps, True. you know? True. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to keep up with. You know, do you have any children? I don't, no. You don't? All right. So I was going to use the, like the terrible two analogy of a toddler that you can't keep up with. It's kind yeah. of like that. You know? Yeah. So, all right. Here's the great moderator question, even though I'm not a moderator. What didn't I ask that you wanted me to or that I should have? Okay. I wish that you had asked um, what Vital Findings is is doing next and where we're where we're headed. And if I were to answer that question, please go ahead. I would tell you that we are um, doing, we will, we'll be at CRC. So we will be talking about kind of evolving and evangelizing segments. And then I guess for myself personally, something that's very much top of mind that I'm extremely excited about. I know we just talked about, you know, digital qual becoming huge, but we're still, we're still doing in person. It's still very important. And it's still so incredibly helpful in terms of getting our clients access to people in their day-to-day lives. So we are actually working with a client where we're going to be doing some global qual. So I'll be going to the UK, France, Germany, China, South Korea and Japan um, before the end of the year, where we're going to do very much a a kind of cultural immersion across a slate of segments that we've identified for this client. So yeah, in-person qual is still very much alive and well and useful. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and thank you for for talking about about the findings. So that was kind of a silly thing for me not to ask, wasn't it? Um, Yeah, I think, you know, as we've seen this change shift that people have asked is my kind of pundit analyst role, you know, what's where, where does in-person qual go? And my default has always been when it's, it needs to be experiential. How are you define that? You know, touch, taste, smell, you know, obviously uh, any of the sensory stuff is obvious, but the work that you guys are doing, which is far more kind of ethnographic and, and experiential in terms of interpersonal interactions that are not just sitting across from a table from each other. I, I hope we see a hell of a lot more of that. And I'm hearing from qualitative facility networks that that is, that's what they're seeing is more informal, not so much using the focus group rooms, but you know, using the space in new ways to engage and even some stuff with utilizing AI to do rapid prototyping and, you know, using things like mid journey to, you know, okay, let, let's, let's right here, let's design what this concept may look like, uh, things like that. So I, I think all those things are really, really interesting. Yes. No, agreed. 100%. And there's still so much innovation, you know, on the table and, you know, our, our clients needs are changing and, their ability though to connect with their consumers stays the same it's just we're now you know um challenged to do it in in more creative ways absolutely so where can people reach you robin so i 
can reach me through Vital Findings. You can reach me through LinkedIn, uh, Robin Rouse. I'm around. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Uh, it's it's so cool that you're pushing the boundaries of doing all these things and safe travels. So, you know, a world traveler for uh, for a project. That's great. Thank you so much, Lenny. No, I really, really appreciate the opportunity and it's been great. <laughs> well, good. So you weren't disappointed from the beginning when we thought, no. okay, okay, good. <laughs> We've checked the box. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. So the satisfaction survey, it's uh, all right. Good to know. So, well, Robin, thank you so much. Best of luck. And uh, I'm sure that we will see you again at some point, certainly maybe at IAX, since you, uh, you experienced that and seem to enjoy it. Sounds great. Look forward to it. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. And thank you as well to our audience, because without you, Rob and I would just be having a conversation, but it, you know, it's a little more meaningful, I think, when you guys get to pick up something from this. Thank you to our producer, Natalie, our editor, Big Bad Audio, and to our sponsor, Dig Insights. I'm Lenny Murphy. That's it for this edition of the Green Book Podcast. We'll be talking to you again real soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Join Greenbook for the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange. This global conference series, also known as IIEX, is where connections are made, inspiration is found, and innovative solutions are discovered. With more than 90% of attendees using IIEX Insights to shape strategic business decisions, the return on investment is undeniable. Whether you're in Asia-Pacific, North America, Europe, or Latin America, IIEX is your gateway to the latest market research best practices, tech innovation, and strategies for transporting insights into action. Nurture your career and business with insights from across the globe. And here's a bonus. Use the special code PODCAST to save 20% on general admission for all IIEX events. Visit greenbook.org events today to learn more and register. See you there.